we are ending our Elephants in the Room series this morning. I know you guys have uh, I've heard feedback, you guys have enjoyed this, and so we might uh, have another go, another round, because I've thought of several things uh, more that I want to address, but we might do it a little bit later on, maybe in the spring or something like that of next year, but um, we, we've got a lot more we want to do. But uh, the last one here is something uh, that God has been dealing with me about over the past few years, um, and it's depression and anxiety. There is a lot of stigma, um, a lot of shame when it comes to mental health in the church. The church has been terrible at large of, of dealing with people who are, who are suffering mental tor- turmoil, suffering from things like depression and anxiety, uh, suffering from mental health issues. Um, and what's, what's crazy is that one-fourth of Americans will suffer from some sort of mental illness this year. 25%, one out of four. That's a lot. Now, that includes everything. Okay, that includes everything from, from depression and anxiety to like the, the, the really, really uh, difficult things like bi- bipolar, schizophrenia, eating disorders. This is everything, okay? About one out of four. 7% struggle with serious and light, life-threatening mental illness. And here's, here's what gets me. 65% will come to a church first for help with these struggles. Are we equipped? This is the question I ask myself. Are we equipped to help people when they show up in our offices? Are you equipped to help people when they come to you and they know you're a church member and they know you're a church person? Are we equipped to deal with these things? Now, I, I, I don't have time to go over mental health in general or anything like that, but I do want to talk specifically about depression and anxiety. Now, again, the church at large, I feel, has done a very poor job of addressing this topic. There's a lot of stigma. You know, people feel like they can't tell others that they're on maybe a, uh, an antidepressant. Um, they feel like it's somehow a lack of faith. They feel like um, that, that maybe they're not as spiritual because they have to, you know, take a medication, even if it's just temporarily. And it's something that the church. Um, I believe God is awakening the church to recognize this as a major one in four. One in four. It's a major issue. And we need to know what we're talking about. We need to know what the word says. And we don't need to make this an elephant in the room. We don't need to make this something that we just ignore or, or cast aside or act like it's not there. It's here and it's not going away. And so we need to, we need to address this. One third of Americans and half of evangelical born-again Christians say that with prayer and Bible study alone, sufferers of clinical depression can overcome this mental illness. Did you hear that? Half of Americans, I'm sorry, a quarter of Americans, I'm sorry, a third of Americans, (laughs) I mean, eventually I'll run out of numbers. A third of Americans and half of evangelical Christians say that the answer to these serious depression and anxiety issues is prayer and Bible study. Here's the problem with that, is it's incomplete. Is prayer and Bible study an absolute part of our Christian walk? Of course. 
I mean, of course, prayer and Bible study is wonderful. But, we, but as you're going to see as we get into this, there's much more that causes depression and anxiety in our lives. And, and we need to be willing to say, it's, it's kind of like this. If all of a sudden I fell off the stage and I broke my leg, and this is gross, but it was like a compound fracture and like my bones sticking out of my leg, you wouldn't throw the Bible at me and say, hey, you need to read the Bible more. Would you? No. Now, is Bible reading important? Of course. Should you pray for me? I, I hope you will. But you also need to get me to the doctor. Because i got to have bones sticking out of my leg. And we need to take care of the problem. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain how those two coincide and work together as, as we continue. But, but I want you to understand that the pat answer, the platitudes, we'll just trust in the Lord, brother. We'll just snap out of it, sister. All these things that we've said as the church, I believe it grieves the heart of God. Because what the hearer hears is, I don't want to deal with this. I'm ill-equipped to deal with this. And we're just going to act like this isn't a problem. Because I don't want to be that church. I want to be in that place. I want VFC to be known as a place. If you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with any sort of mental health issue that you can come, you're going to be loved. You're not going to be chastised, made fun of. You're not going to be cast aside. You're not going to be isolated, but you're going to be loved and taken care of. That's my vision. That's what I want for us. I want us to be known as a church. Are are you guys behind that? Do you agree? Okay. I got the right people. I want to start here, and I, this is, I don't think this is going to be a long sermon. I say I don't think because I'm not done with it yet. But <laughs> I'm not going to be going into like all this deep, deep scripture and, and pulling stuff out because I, I really just want you to understand the main point that I've already told you in the introduction is that we need to be a place that's, that's friendly to people who are struggling. And we need to look at the causes and we need to look at the solutions. So first of all, let's define these things. So depression. Now... Guys, I am not a doctor. How many of you knew that? But I play one on TV. All right. I'm not a doctor. All right. So, you know, I, I'm not going to get very medically accurate here because, honestly, it's, 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 it's not what I do. Now, I like to read, and I've learned a whole lot about this kind of stuff. But, but uh, so my definitions here are going to be incomplete. My definitions here are not going to be medically accurate. All right. So what I'm about to teach you, according to the word, does not replace proper medical advice, all right? I I don't have malpractice insurance, okay? So so I'm not going to try to practice, all right? But I do want to give you some basic definitions, okay? So depression, well, what do we mean when we say depression? It is overwhelming thoughts of sadness and hopelessness that eventually leads to numbness and loss of interest. So these are thoughts of sadness, hopelessness, just feeling down. We use words like despair, despondency. There's a bunch of words that kind of encapsulate what this is. But depression specifically eventually leads to a numbness and into a, uh, a loss of interest. Clinical depression, also known as major depression, is, is when the thoughts interfere with your, per, with your ability to work, sleep, Study, eat, and enjoy once pleasurable activities. You, you, you lose your passion for life. Nothing can make, you used to have a hobby. It used to make you happy. And now when you attempt to do or even think about doing that hobby, you're just like, Ugh, and you just can't do it. These are signs of, of a clinical depression. 
It's often accompanied by physical symptoms. As a matter of fact, I believe the statistic is that 60% of people with clinical depression first go to their general practitioner because they're trying to get their body fixed because they feel pain. What actually happens, uh, I'll just tell you this, what actually happens is when you're under severe stress, your body secretes a hormone called cortisol and it creates inflammation all throughout your body and it causes physical problems even though the root is psychological. And so a lot of times depression isn't accurately um, um, uh, diagnosed because we're looking at physical symptoms, but its root is actually mental. So this is what I say when I mean depression, okay? Now next, and we're kind of lumping these two together. They're not the same thing. They're just things that we deal with the most, I, I think, in, in a larger degree, is anxiety. Anxiety are overwhelming thoughts of fear, worry. You can add to that dread, Okay. Um, impending doom um, that lead to a general sense of unease where you're always not sure of what's going to happen next and you're afraid for the future. We all experience depression. We all experience anxiety to a degree, right? But anxiety actually becomes anxiety disorder when it's severe and it interferes with daily action, and it's disproportionate. I mean, if you see a rabid pit bull running towards you, baring his teeth, you should be a little anxious, right? I mean, that's a good fear. If you see a tornado, I drove through what I thought might be a tornado a couple days ago. It was, it was scary. Like, I don't get very scared in general, but I was driving, and Ethan was in the car with me, and I thought, okay, I'm going to die. Sweet. I mean, I'm ready. I'm going to miss everyone. I mean, it was ter- like I couldn't see anything. Like the wind was about to blow me off the actual road. It was crazy. Um, that was a good anxiety because that anxiety forced me to slow down. It forced me to pay just crazy attention to what was around me. So, but but this anxiety disorder is, is when it's disproportionate. When, when you feel that way about things that don't that you know, like a, a small puppy that's really nice and just wants to lick your hand, but you're you know you feel like it's the pit bull. So that's how you know. It's disproportionate. Okay, so do we understand what I mean by depression? Now, again, this is not a good, this is not a, a total definition of these words, okay? I am not a doctor. But, but I want you to understand what I mean when I say depression and anxiety, okay? Are we on the same page? L- let's, look at, let's look at three causes of these things. We're going to look at three basic causes, and then we're going to look at th- three basic steps to overcome, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to receive from the Lord the supernatural healing from this, Okay? First of all, uh, there are environmental factors that lead to depression and anxiety. Environmental factors. Things outside that affect us on the inside. These are like a natural reaction to bad life circumstances. The loss of a loved one. A pet that passes away. And you just feel down. Right? And you just feel, man. And and maybe for a couple days, you're just kind of down in the dumps. Or, or maybe there was anger. Maybe you're at work and you were in line for a promotion, but the boss brought in his nephew that just graduated from, from college and, and put them over you. And you're like, oh, I've worked all this time. Right? So they're natural life circumstances, times of betrayal. I know, I know we've all experienced betrayal by friends, right? And, and when we come in contact with these environmental factors, these outside factors, they lead to a, a, a funk, right? A depression, where we're like, oh, I'm just down. I'm just down. Um, there are also natural causes, things like uh, sleep deprivation, 
If you aren't getting enough sleep, it will create things like depression and anxiety in your life. It will. Poor diet. You know, if we're filling our bodies, and I'm very quickly losing my authority to talk on diet, but if, if, but if, if we, if we, it's the idea that we can stick something through our mouth in our bodies and it doesn't affect our bodies is crazy. The food that we eat, if we're eating stuff that's bad for us, it creates, it creates depression, anxiety. It, it will affect us mentally, not just physically. Amen? Now, that just makes sense. But we want to eat whatever we, we want to eat whenever we want to eat it. There's nothing wrong with this. I'm depressed. Right? So, so we, have to, we have to just be realistic here. There are natural factors that, that can create these things. Now, here's the next one. Now, this is where the church likes to camp out. And I, I'm, I'm going to be balancing a tightrope here. I'm going to be saying, yes, but. Yes, there is spiritual interference. There, there, are, there is demonic entities. There are oppressive spirits that do create depression and anxiety in the heart of man. Yes, but it's not the only thing. And again, my problem is that the church at large has camped out on this because, hey, we're, I'm a spirit doctor, all right? I work on the spirit. My specialty is not noses or feet. My specialty is the spirit man. And, and so, yes, the church should camp out on spiritual issues, but we need to understand that there's, there's more to us than just the spirit man. And they all interact with each other, and we'll get to that as we continue. So there is spiritual interference. You can write these down. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these scriptures. 1 Samuel 16 is an interesting verse. Saul had really ticked God off. He was the first king of Israel, and he failed at his job. So God has Samuel anoint David as king, even though Saul is still king. Okay, And then uh, it says that the Lord allowed an oppressive spirit of depression to fall on Saul. And he's like so depressed and there's a spirit of heaviness that he gets. And so they actually, dis- they actually say, hey, we've heard about this dude David, which they didn't realize he'd already been anointed as king, the successor. We've heard about this guy David who plays music when he does, like it just totally changes the atmosphere of the room. Music's important. It's important. And so David comes and plays in Saul's chambers and the spirit leaves. Okay. Um, and so we see where there was, a spe- there was actually a demonic presence that caused depression in the life of Saul. Acts um, 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. See, there is a devil, and he does oppress people. There is a whole spiritual world of angels and demons that we don't see. We forget sometimes because we just cling to our natural world, but, but it exists. They exist, and they can affect you mentally. Even if you're a Christian, they can't live in you, but what they can do is give you thoughts, okay? And so there, are, there is spiritual interference that happens. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If there is stealing, killing, or destroying in your life, guess who's doing it? Our enemy, the devil, Right? But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. So when life abundantly happens to you, who is the author of that? 
Jesus. And when stealing, killing, and destroying happens to you, who's the author of that? One of these things is not like the other. Right? So you can know, you can know who's the author of what. All right? So do you understand? So there is a, a, a possible spiritual source, a cause of these things. And lastly, there is physiological issues. Now, this is what the church has missed, I think. And this is what a lot of people have missed. They're actually physiological, and that means physical. It means natural. It means pertaining to the body. There, is, there are hormones and, and chemicals and substances that your brain requires to have a normal level and interaction within the brain for you to feel right. These are things like serotonin, things like dopamine, things like norepinephrine. Th- these are actually chemicals, all right, that, that go in your brain, and, and you can study this if you want to. They're like synapses and glial cells. I mean, it's really interesting, okay? But, but you're, when you feel a thought, when you feel a feeling, when you feel an emotion, y- your brain is an organ within your body that's facilitating that feeling, okay? And so your brain is a physical thing. And so when something physically wrong goes with your brain, it can create feelings like depression, anxiety, and things like that. Okay? So we need to be really careful. Uh, these types of issues can lead to clinical depression, anxiety disorder, and it's a physical issue needing a physical solution. Now, how many of you believe that God heals? I believe that God heals. We've seen God heal. We've had over 100 healings here at VFC so far in 2015. It's incredible. That's amazing. He is moving. He's doing great things, okay? But you need to understand, even though environmental factors can affect depression and anxiety in in your life, spiritual, there can be a spiritual root that causes depression and anxiety in your life. There also can be a physical problem with your organ in your body that's known as your brain. And it's a lack of serotonin. It's, a, it's, it's, an, it's an unbalanced uh, chemical reaction in your brain. And so to tell someone who has a lack of serotonin in their brain and is feeling depressed thoughts, we'll just read the Bible, is really not treating it the way that it needs to be treated. Now, I believe in healing, and I'm not saying you don't pray for these things. I, 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 I will pray for you afterwards, and we're going to command serotonin uh, to come into your, into your brain. We're going to command that everything, all the chemicals and everything come into alignment with the Word of God. But you see, that's different than saying, well, just read Psalms. Right? Again, if I were to break my leg, well, throw the Bible at me, just read Psalms. We need more. We need more. And so it is a physiological issue when it gets to the clinical point. There there is an actual substance that's not there that needs to be put there. Do you see? Okay. And so we still, and I'm going to tell you how, well, how do we balance the spiritual and the natural? That's what we're about to do right now. But you need to understand that there's an actual physiological cause to depression and anxiety. Do you hear? Okay. So let's look at how to overcome. So how do we overcome these things? Well, you know, first of all, before we even go through this, first of all, it's just talking about it. The first step is just being willing to say, like we said earlier during the worship service, it is your will that my life is healed. And it's okay. You don't have to come to church and put on your crazy smile. <laughs> I was up all night, you know, thinking of taking my life. But here I am, smiling real big. <laughs> like, we got to get over that. 
We got to stop that. That, that. That's not the heart of God for us. All right. There is a way to be honest and genuine and authentic about what we're going through, um, but not all down in the dumps at the same time. Right. We can be honest and kind. Um, and so, so the first step is just talking about it, like what we're doing this morning. But you need to realize, guys, you are a three-part being. You are body, soul, and spirit. You are a spirit. See, the real you lives forever. And when your body passes away, your spirit will go on to meet with the Lord. And if you're a believer, you're going to be with him forever, is what scripture teaches us. And, and so you are a spirit. Now, you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. All right? It's seated in, your, in, your, in the organ of your mind, of your brain. But, it, but your mind, will, and your emotions is connected to your spirit as well. It's the blend. Your soul is the blend between body and spirit. It's the bridge where both interact with each other. And then, of course, your body is your earth suit. It's your physical, temporary thing that we can all see. I can't see your soul. I can see the effects of your soul. I can't see your soul. I can't see your spirit. I can just see your body, right? We only see one-third of who we are. And so we are a three-part being. We have to, when we're dealing with anxiety and depression, we have to deal with all three parts of us. And that means, first of all, you've got to maintain your spirit. You've got to maintain your spirit. For the sake of time, I won't turn there, but Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the armor of God. Putting on the armor of God. These, these are things where you tend to your spirit man. We ignore, we as people in general, ignore our spirit man. And women, you have a spirit woman. I mean, I'm, it's just a man. I'm just using it. A, a spirit being. That just sounds weird, so I'm saying spirit man. But do, do you see what I'm saying? So you have to tend to your spirit man. Or you have to build up your spirit. We talked about uh, praying in the spirit last week. And one of the purposes of praying in the spirit is that it builds up your inner man. Okay, so we need to build up our inner man. We need to build up, and this is where things like Bible study, yeah, it's going to build up your inner man. This is where things like prayer, yeah, like worship. We saw where David played worship music and the spirit lifted. So this is things where to pertain to your spiritual life. You can't ignore it. A mom and I were talking before the service, and, I, and I, the statistic is that about half of all pastors deal with depression regularly. Half of all pastors deal with depression regularly. Why? Because they're so busy giving out, they forget to take in. And then some of them just have a clinical issue in their brain that they need to take care of. But, but the reason any high stress, any high, high uh, profile job or anything like that is going to yield the propensity to give way to anxiety and depression. Isaiah 61, let's look at this. This is beautiful. Just so you know, this is a, a talking about the eventual Messiah that's coming. We're going to read it in, in this part. But when Jesus came, he actually goes to church. They would take, times, take turns reading the, the scripture. And he turns to this and, he's, and he reads what we're about to read. And he goes, hey, I'm the dude. I'm who this is talking about. Drops the mic like a boss and walks out. Right? So, so, that's, so that's, that's what Jesus says. So we're about to read the job description of Jesus Christ. Before he was hired. <laughs> if that makes sense. The Old Testament was saying, this guy's coming. All right, here he is. So it's Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Now, as I read this, I just want you to ask yourself, are you being named? Are you being named in any of these 
groups that he's about to talk about. To preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those in captivity, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, Zion is Israel, God's people, where God's people live. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. See, normally we stop. I'm, I'm, I just kept going. Normally we stop after the day of vengeance of our God and keep going. But, but I'm, there's more. There's even more to the job description. To comfort those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they will rebuild old ruins. They will raise up former desolations. They will repair the ruined cities and desolations of many generations. Whew. That's good news. That's good news. Look, you need to understand, you have to maintain your spirit man. Your spirit man is essential to who you are. You cannot ignore your spirit. can't ignore it. You have to do the things that build it up and defeat it. Amen? All right, next, you need to maintain your soul. You need to maintain your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You need to be aware of your soul health. Um, There is actually, maintaining your soul, these are going to be things like rest. Actually, getting rest. My mom's done a good job of teaching me how to get rest. I want to go and do all the time. I never want to stop. And then all of a sudden, I get sick. And I'm like, man, why am I sick, Lord? He's like, because you're an idiot. <laughs> right? Why are you doing this to me? Uh, you did it. <laughs> right? And so she, teaches me, she has taught me the, the importance of rest. And I can rest now. I've learned how to rest in the midst of craziness of doing all sorts of stuff with church and ministering to people. I've learned how to rest and not feel guilty. Right? And if you call me and I don't answer the phone, sorry, I'm resting. Or I'm busy. But either way, I'll get to you. Okay? Um, so we need, to, we need to maintain our soul by rest. We need to maintain our soul by Christian meditation. Now, the word meditation like conjures in a lot of people like this. Oh, new age and meditation. Like, here's what Christian meditation is. The wrong type of med- meditation is where you empty your mind of everything. All right? Christian meditation is when you fill your mind with Jesus. That's what it is. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. See, we need to constantly be filling our soul. Uh, Romans 12, 2 is the verse that says that we renew our minds. We renew our minds. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Right? Where we, it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a holy inundation with the word and the will of God. Guys, we have to watch what we watch. Now, let me just, I'm just going to take 30 seconds and step on your toes. If you were to go through your DVR at home, if you were to go through your iPod list and your music, and it looks exactly like someone you know who's not a believer, then you are not doing this right. Now, there are churches I've heard of that actually post movies that their people are allowed to see. And that is dumb. All right? Because it never allows the person to, to recognize how to listen to the Holy Spirit when it comes to entertainment choices. It just creates a law. We've been redeemed from the law. Okay? But 
If you just indiscriminately watch anything that's in vogue and on TV because it's what everyone else is doing, don't be surprised when you come up with some sort of soul sickness. You you can't just watch whatever you want. You, You are a sponge. The scripture says that whatever we put in our heart is going to come back out. And if you just indiscriminately watch whatever, listen to whatever, then you're, you're gonna, there are going to be repercussions, right? It's like, well, I just want to bang my head against the wall, but I don't want it to hurt. Boom, boom. That's not how life works. Your choices have repercussions. You can't feed yourself with whatever you want and there not be repercussions. Do you understand? Lord, why am I depressed? Well, you've been watching a bunch of worldly stuff. Why am I so anxious all the time? Well, you watch horror movies all the time. You're purposely scaring yourself for entertainment, and you wonder why you're always scared. I don't know why I'm scared. Right? So we have to watch what we watch. Now, let me, let me give you an example here. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your cares... Cast all your cares. In one translation, it says anxiety. Cast all your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. And we're very poor casters. Ethan, can you, can you help me with something real quick? We're very poor casters. All right. So I'm going to cast my tablet onto Ethan. I'm not going to throw it. He's like, dang. Yeah, so here we go. I've casted my tablet onto Ethan. Okay. Now, where is the tablet? Do I have it? No. Okay. But what if I was walking around like doing this? I'm still acting like the tablet's there, right? But I've cast it onto him. See, so many times we say we're casting our cares on Jesus, but we're still holding that thing. We're still referencing that thing. We're still acting like we still have it. And if we've cast it on him appropriately, we recognize that he has it. It's not in our hands anymore. Look, one of the ways, thank you, cast it back. <laughs> one, of the ways, one of the ways that you cast your care on the Lord is by acting like you don't have your care anymore. It's not lying, it's prophesying. It's declaring, I've cast this on the Lord, right? And so it's not mine anymore. So I'm going to act like I don't have it, right? Last thing, I've got to hurry up. Maintain your body. Maintain your, you are a three-part being. I can't tell you how many people come to me in crisis in my office, and they're, and they're snotting everywhere, and, and you can snot if, if you're in my office. It's fine. I have plenty of Kleenex. But, but, they, but I, I look at their lifestyle, and there's, there's no proper medical treatment. There's no diet, exercise. They aren't getting any counseling. And they need to be, some, some of them need to be on medication. They need to fix the serotonin levels and the other stuff that's in their mind. And they're too proud to do it because they somehow think that makes them less spiritual. And let me tell you, you are not less spiritual because you have to take a medication. You're not. If you have a headache, would you take an ibuprofen? Yeah. If, if, if you had a broken leg, would you let the doctor set your leg and put it in a cast? Yes, if you want to walk again, you will, okay? So if we have a physical problem in our brain, then we need to do what it takes naturally to fix it as well, right? It doesn't mean you don't believe in God. It actually means you believe God's going to use the natural. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.19 just says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Y'all, God lives in us. We're his home, right? And we need to act like it. We need to maintain our body. We need to take care of ourselves, 
Amen? Amen. Look, lastly, this is, we need to believe for supernatural intervention while we embrace natural intervention. Believe for supernatural intervention while we embrace natural intervention. Faith without works is dead. If you want to show faith before the Lord that that you want him to heal anxiety and depression in your life, then you need to go to a professional and make sure that you're having everything physically taken care of. That's faith. Because it's action. Because it's believing that God's going to use that. Attach your faith to that doctor's appointment. And believe that the Lord's going to use it to bring about healing in your life. Maybe you'll wake up one day and boom, it's gone. Would that be best? Absolutely. I love miracles. But until I get the miracle, I'm going to place my faith in the process. Amen? And that's what we need to do when it comes to anxiety and depression. Let's stand for prayer.